Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 81 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And as always, we're your nerdy co-hosts for today. Just for today. Just for today. Tomorrow <laughs> you can have other people, but today you're ours. And today we're going to be talking about Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. This is our in our continuing saga, reviewing both Muppet theatrical releases and Star Trek theatrical releases. Uh, this week it's Jarman's turn with Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Which we'll get to in a bit because it's a it's a big pill to swallow. And if that confuses you, it's because those are our favorite movie franchises, basically our favorite franchises. Oh yeah! I guess. If you haven't yeah. joined us before this point, we're <laughs> I'm a Muppet fanatic, drama Star Trek fanatic. This is ongoing. This is the theme for the whole show, really. That's why it makes sense. So buckle in, people. <laughs> so what have you been up to since our last recording? Uh, well, so unfortunately, we talked. I think about this on the podcast before. Jarman had to cancel his trip out here this right. weekend. I think. It would have been yeah, yeah, this weekend. I, I would have left tomorrow, but I'd already requested the days off and I'm in a time of year where I was kind of lucky I got them off. So I'm just decided decided no, I'm not going to take them away. I'm going to take them and enjoy them. Nice. Uh, and then out of nowhere at the last minute, my cousin coincidentally was like, hey, we're going to be in town from this day to this day. And super it's like fun this cousin. weekend. Yeah. One of my one of my super fun cousins. <laughs> uh, so it just was very serendipitous that it really, really worked out. That is awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, um, and so we're actually following the same plan that we had with you because we had already booked Anna's mom. Mm. So Anna's mom is going to come down on Sunday night. She's going to do sleepover, and then Monday morning, uh, Anna and I are going to go up to San Fran. She's going to watch that baby for you. Yep, all day. That's awesome. We're going to leave at like eight thirty in the morning. We're going to go home at like six. Freedom! It's going to be crazy. <laughs> so that's going to be a good time, and we're going to see how that goes. Awesome. But yeah, just getting hyped up for that and and fun getting to see family. Absolutely. A little change of pace. Yeah, they got to come see uh, Apple Campus and have lunch at Cafe Max. Oh, I'm jealous. Well, when you finally come out, we can we can do that. Indeed. Sometime this year. It'll happen. Yeah, you can, you can come down and see it. It'll be great. So, yeah, that pretty much uh, was I had to get canceled because uh, my girlfriend got called away for work uh, to out of town. So I had to cancel my trip out there, but she's making lots of money. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and rolling in it like Scrooge <laughs> McDuck. We don't want to take that away from her. So we kind of ate the cost of the ticket, unfortunately. But because uh, they one of the one of the tickets they return for credit, but the other one, not so much. So you should get it all in silver dollars. That'd be great. And pennies. Just, and just like kitty, like a, I think a kitty swimming pool. I don't think you wouldn't go full size. I don't think that'll work. <laughs> but like kitty swimming pool size, I think you could pull off. Just swim around. That would hurt so much. I think it would be cold and uncomfortable at first. But think if you like maybe put some warm water in there. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe if it's in water, yeah, <laughs> like a coin bath. I don't coin know. Sol- solution of some sort. S- somewhere someone pays a lot of money for the treatment I just discussed. <laughs> it's like a copper treatment. That's right. <laughs> well, some other cool stuff that happened was. uh uh, Paul Wright, who is a co-host of the Ten Forward podcast, mm-hmm. and he had his own podcast with Sean Vanderloo called Sci-Fi Waffle a while back. He uh, was visiting Orlando, so I got to see him and his family 
at Shake Shack on International Drive. Uh, and so that means I've met almost all the hosts of 10 Forward Podcast from different parts of England and uh, Texas. Wow, all that podcasting. is crazy. He's been on our show? Yeah, yes. twice. Two times. Okay, yeah. So he did the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide episode, and then he did this uh, Star yeah, Trek came back for a three. Four. Was it four? Yeah, four. Yeah, that's, that's when we had the, the three guests. Right. Well, cool. That's very neat. Yeah, it's crazy because podcasting can just make new friends, you know, through this crazy right. medium. And then I went to Marco Island to visit my girlfriend while she's staying for work. And Oh, uh, good. You got to see her. Yeah, for our anniversary. Good. And it was um, our one-year anniversary, and I got Aww. really sunburnt on one shoulder. Oh, <laughs> uh, you fool. I sprayed it everywhere, but apparently missed my left shoulder. So it's just a burnt <laughs> left shoulder. It's just the one place you couldn't reach. It's like I have a tattoo of, of red, basically. That's cool. Yeah. But it was a good time. I'm not really a beach guy, as you know. But Oh, was... no. Neither Jarman or I are, <laughs> are quote unquote beach guys. <laughs> oh, but it was a fun time because I got to see my girlfriend. It's been like three weeks since I've seen her. So it was rough. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then I think that takes us into some nerdy news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. So what you got for us this time around? Uh, so I just I didn't think of a clever name, so I'm just going to go with my friend's instinct on this one, which is Mijaba no Wanga. <laughs> Uh, and that is uh, in a Variety uh, magazine article recently. Some of the uh, executives from Disney and uh, Lucasfilm were talking about the future of the franchise, and they sort of rehashed some things that people have heard about it, the the one off movies, an Obi Wan movie, a Yoda movie, uh, Boba Fett. Sort of no surprise, you know, some of those characters. Uh, but then they also mentioned they're exploring the possible of a Jabba the Hutt film. What the hell? He doesn't even speak right. English. <laughs> right. But then really what they're hinting at is that by some of these stories having crossover through characters, they may create these little mini universes almost. Hmm. Let's see that. Like maybe some of the characters from uh, what's the last movie called? A Rogue, Rogue Squadron or Rogue, uh, One. Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah, some, some of those characters could be like in a, you know, one of those anthology story movies, I guess. Right. So who knows? But yeah, J uh, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> What a terrible oh, movie that will be. And then uh, another story I've got is uh, they've discovered, a guy has actually discovered uh, why whiskey takes be tastes better when it's a little bit watered down. And why is that? Uh, so in whiskey, once it comes out of the barrels, they add water to it to get it to about 40%. Mm -hmm. And it drastically changes the, the taste. And the reason is, is that when whiskey condenses down, there are these particles in it that are uh, hydrophilic, I believe, which means that they become activated when they get wet. So do I. Uh, yeah, bam. So when you <laughs> add more water, those spread out and take more effect. And those are the ones, those are the notes that control like the smoky and sweet smells and early flavors. Hmm. So because of that, whiskey over, uh, over ice or whiskey with a little bit of water actually tastes better and you get more aroma on the palate. Oh, nice. Well, I always love like a whiskey with just three ice cubes in it. Yeah. Scientifically proved it though. Nice. It actually makes it does, sense. It just does taste better that way. Well, if you like more of that flavor, that is, I guess. That's some true. Might, might like less of that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe somebody doesn't like smoky. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good stuff. I want some whiskey yeah. now. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> so I got a story Ooh. called Just Left of French Fries. I just made that up right now. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I can't wait to hear it. So a girl in Edinburgh, Scotland 
has a rare affliction where she tastes McDonald's french fries whenever she hears the word left. Okay. Now, it started when she was one years old. She actually has a variety of these triggers that different words cause different tastes to poop, like pop into her mouth, not poop into her mouth. <laughs> 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 so, so as she grew older, she found that she had the band, that the band Glass Animals made her taste chlorine and any band playing bongos induced a flavor of oranges. The word judge brought on the flavor of stale bread while music caused the taste of sweet toothpaste. Oblige oh. made sweet porridge and left McDonald's french fries. And odd noises also caused the flavors. The sound of a car on gravel gave her a fruity taste. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> she thought she was crazy and she researched it and found out that she has lexical gust- gustatory synesthesia. Yeah, synesthesia. Yeah. Um, yeah, synesthesia. We've heard of that word before because it's like mixing up your senses and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically, it leads to automatic involuntary taste experiences by trigger words. Um, and sometimes she can have like an overload if she hears all these words at once. She'll have all these different mm. tastes pop into her mouth. And she's like, ah, it has like a panic attack. Um, and the worst one is puce. It makes her taste rotten food in her mouth and she wants to throw up. Puce. But that word doesn't come up very often, I wouldn't think. No, I can't imagine. Unless you're like... <laughs> actively shopping for paint or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't imagine that that comes up. It'd be terrible if she was an artist. Like oh, that's, that's the true. whole that's the terrible joke here. That's how she encountered the word puce in the first place. Puce. puce. She didn't know until she had to paint with it. And to cap off the story, there's no cure. So, no, nope. no, of course not. <laughs> so that's too bad for her. Yeah, that's crazy though. Just left a french fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if God was one of So before we get into our main discussion of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, uh, a lot of the themes in this uh, movie are very religious-based, which is not very Star Trek-y normally, but they really ram it down your throat in this movie. Uh, <laughs> so sure. to get us started, I've got some world religion trivia, a few oh. questions for Jarman. Hope I can do well on this one. Uh, I, I I did my best to choose what I thought were fair questions. Not too Nothing difficult. too, too specific. I like it. All right. So, who is the Roman god counterpart to the Greek god Zeus? Um, I should definitely know this. Uh, Jupiter. Jupiter. You nail it. Woo! All right. What is the alternate name of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Mormons? Yes, the Mormons. (laughs) The members of which Christian sect have no ministers or priests and gather for worship in a meeting house. Oh. I must just throw out a guess. Uh, the Quakers? That's the Quakers, or wow. the Society of Friends. I actually got it. <laughs> I didn't know they did that. That's interesting. All right. In ancient times, who was the Egyptian god of the underworld? Anubis. No, it's Osiris. Oh. I guess Anubis was related to death somehow, right? But I think Anubis took them. Like he took them to Osiris. I think. And, okay, that makes sense. Damn. First one wrong. Right. This religious leader is known as the Black Pope. Oh, I did know this. Um, Is that that guy from the Church of Satan? No. <laughs> uh, that is the head of the Jesuits. Oh. <laughs> it's referred to as the Black Pope. Weird. All right. Which of Jesus's disciples 
was the group treasurer. <laughs> you got elected group treasurer. <laughs> Which um, of Jesus' disciples was group treasurer? <laughs> well, they're all Jewish, so we can't go with stereotypes. <laughs> oh, you rat bastard. <laughs> That's terrible. I know. Sorry. You're the worst. At stereotypes, I'm just joking because it was right there in front of me. Um, uh, Judas? That's right. It's Judas Iscariot. Yeah, I think about the gold coins and all that jazz. So Yeah, that's right. All right. In Buddhism, what is the name for the attainment of perfect serenity achieved when all desires are eradicated? That is, um, I know this. It's so easy. It's right there in front of me. It's when you reach Nirvana. That is right. Nirvana. Yes. All right. This is the last one. What in Hinduism is the sum of a person's actions, which affects his or her's fate in their next life? Karma. That is karma. That's correct. <laughs> you did very well. Thank you. Uh, let's see. It was two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, you got six out of eight. You only missed Osiris and uh, the Black Pope. Oh, yeah. I wish the Black Pope was like from a black exploitation film. That's right. That'd be amazing. <laughs> 1970s, the Black Pope. Yeah. <laughs> I did pretty well. I think it's all those atheist podcasts to listen to. That's they right. True. You're informed. Yeah. It's good to be know your your enemy. <laughs> so uh, now let's move into our main segment where we're going to talk about Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. You know, it's funny they call it the final frontier because it really isn't the final film. No, there's many more. They find more frontiers to cross. There were more frontiers. <laughs> at this point, at this time, though, this was that final frontier. It might have been, yeah. And they broke that barrier, and that was the frontier. Now they're on the other side of the frontier. So they got more frontiers to find. So they're past where the sun sets. <laughs> In the center of the galaxy. Yep. Um... <laughs> So I guess we usually go through and just kind of talk about what happened in the movie first. So it starts off in this barren wasteland, nomad, messed up face, messed up teeth. Mad Guy Max comes style. out of the desert, touches him. He becomes he decides to follow this guy. And, and then this guy does the worst reveal ever to show that he has ears. <laughs> it was pretty blatant. Um, so uh, my note here was opens in barren wasteland and ends with one of the fakest and longest held laughs in movie history. <laughs> Vulcan. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> so then smash cut to Yosemite National Park where Kirk McCoy and Spock are on leave while the USS is going undergoing maintenance or something. Well, basically building basically a whole new one, wasn't it? Doesn't it get destroyed? But or the they're revamping it or something. Yeah. It, it, there was a word for it. I can't remember what it was, but it's basically where they do a trial run of a ship before they officially put it back on duty after it's either like gone through an overhaul or a rebuild or something. A refit. Something like that. Uh, but And it didn't do well in that. Oh, gotcha. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there was a word for it. Um, so they're on leave. There's some... There's a terrible, like, no actual danger scene involving uh, Kurt climbing a mountain. It took a long time to like swoop around him, watching him climb this mountain. 
And there's a great song that I will play right here after this, uh, which is all of him describing why he made that scene. Captain Kirk climbing a mountain. Oh, my gosh. Somebody made a song after about it. (laughs) Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing a mountain? To hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain with hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain with hug the mountain. That mountain, that mountain. He wants to make love to the mountain. Tough young guys, sinewy bodies in there. Fingers and teeny toes challenge the rock, challenging death. Why do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. There is a passionate affair going on between Kirk and the mountain. Kirk is on the Kirk is on the mountain. Now, in order to create that illusion sucking some of the most sensational men who not only climb are voracious, fleeting and elusive and peripheral and that's putting me on the mountain Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain why is he climbing a mountain? Captain Kirk is climbing a mountain hold it please hug the mountain envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. To envelop that mountain will hug the mountain. That mountain, that mountain. He wants to make love to the mountain. And the climb is going where no man has gone before. Where no man has gone before. Challenge the rock, challenging death. Why do I climb the mountain? Because I'm in love. And then Spock comes up on his rocket boots and makes Kirk feel bad. And then Kirk falls. But of course, you know, he's not going to die. It's like the first (laughs) five minutes of the film. So there's no tensions. I don't care. (laughs) Like he falls, but nothing's going to happen. It would have been so great if he actually just died. If he like, yeah, like cracked his neck and like the whole rest of the movie is him relearning how to walk (laughs) and speak. (laughs) It's like regarding like Spock spoon feeding him and and dabbing his brow. (laughs) I miss you, Jim. (laughs) Come back to me, Jim. (laughs) Jim. Uh, but no, that doesn't happen. So they make it. There's an awkward campfire scene. Row, row, uh, row your boat. Featuring row, 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 where they try to get Spock to sing along and he does not understand fun. <laughs> He's a stick That's in really the mud. what it comes down to. Merrily, 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 lightly down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Light. Come on, Spock. Why didn't you jump in? I was trying to comprehend the meaning of the words. It's a song, you green-blooded Vulcan. You sing it. The words aren't important. What's important is that you have a good time singing it. Oh, I am sorry, Doctor. We'll be having a good time. God, I liked him better before he died. All right, all right, all right. Let's call it a night. Just let's, keep let's, let's, let's go to bed and just let's get some sleep. 
And then, uh, so this one is directed by Shatner. Right? Yeah, it is. You can tell. So the, my note here was you can tell this one was directed by Shatner because only he would have thought that the audience could have believed that Kurt could have scaled a mountain. <laughs> At that age. <laughs> At that age, under those physical conditions, he's the only person in existence that was like, the audience is going to love this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back in the 60s, we would have believed it, but not now. Not this yeah. time. Uh, I also like McCoy the voyeur. Oh, yeah. What's he doing out there? Him watching through. Oh, he's got a rack about, you know, just like weird curse smudging McCoy. <laughs> it's perfect. Watching people through his binoculars. Well, that's why I love these Yosemite scenes, because I think they're just great. They They feel like the old original episodes, like the way they talk to each other and goof off and. I mean, it's it's not taking itself very seriously. As most of this movie, I think yeah. it's kind of just more cheesy and fun. Uh, so I wasn't. So I read some of the IMDb trivia, and I wasn't surprised to see that the technical budget from this film took some big cuts. Oh yeah, because it it really shows a couple times. It like really, really shows a few times. Well, like that campsite looks like it's on a set somewhere. Campsite on the set. Um, the even when he's climbing the mountain, like the rock face is shiny and reflective. When they had the scene where they're talking. Yeah. And they didn't bother to rough it up or try to take down the shine at all. <laughs> um, yeah. It was brilliant. And the horrible green screens, of course. Yeah. And horrible green screen use. It's all gold. This whole movie is gold. <laughs> uh, and then they cut to basically the most Eisley uh, cantina. Like a much shittier version. <laughs> uh, a terrible version. There's a tri-boobed cat lady dancing on the bar. Which it sucks because it's so close to being the cat person that they had on the animated series for Star Trek, which came out before this movie. And they had a chance of like showing that race on the big screen, but then they gave her three boobs. So it was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> why would they? Why? I guess they saw Total Recall and ran with it. Everybody saw Total Recall and ran with it. <laughs> um, and so this Vulcan delegate has been sent there to this remote place. And Nimbus 3 is the name of the planet. Um just as this this female Vulcan delegate arrives and meets Romulan. the Kling, Romulan, sorry, Romulan, and she meets the Klingon and Starfleet delegate who are just drinking themselves away. <laughs> Smoking. Smoking and drinking themselves away. And then all of a sudden, this guy the from the beginning shows up with his army of followers now and swarms the compound and takes them prisoner and forces them to send a message to Starfleet requesting them to come and rescue them and they've got terms for their release and i wish that every scene that ended with him in it he would just laugh again It'd be perfect <laughs> it's like tell them that you're captured <laughs> no, no, no. flip his hood back <laughs> revealing his ears again. and then laugh every time <laughs> he has to put the hood up between every scene <laughs> that would have been great they cut back to the starship where scotty's working and talking about how bad the, the ship is broken down, all the things aren't working. And then, so, is it, so, her and Scotty are together in this film, right? It's, like, talked about a lot because it randomly was shoehorned in this film, and it, they never showed any sign of that before or after. Like, I don't think in the next movie they show any signs of that either, so it's kind of like a weird just shoved yeah, in thing by Yeah, and she, like, brings him dinner and touches and caresses his face, and he calls her Lassie. Like, it's all very sweet, but it's all sort of like, wait, what? what? Oh, Where did okay. this come from? I know you'll whip her into shape, Scotty. You always do. Oh, Huda, I thought you were on leave. And I thought we were supposed to be going together. Oh, I can't believe it now when she needs me the most. I had a feeling you would say something like that. So I brought us dinner. Oh, Lassie. You're the most understanding woman I know. 
Um, I want to know what was in those bags that she brought that had her their dinner in it. Yeah. Because she's like, it's dinner, and he's so excited for this really light, small bag to be handed to him. He rips it open, and then as she's walking away to receive the message, you hear, like, a chip crunch. And I'm like, so that's all? That's dinner in the future? <laughs> just just space chips? Maybe they're, like, really super special high-tech chips that give you all your body needs. I hope so. That's what we need in the future. Uh, so they receive uh, a message for this message, the distress message from Nimbus 3 or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Um, and they've got to get Kirk and McCoy and Spock back on the ship to go investigate. And it's weird. It's like this plan's supposed to be like the global peace initiative plan or something, but there's nothing on it. So it's like some stupid boondoggle operation that didn't go anywhere. Well, no, I think basically what it represents is the, um, is the, the shallow and fake truce between the Vulcans, the Klingons and the, and the Federation. Shows how well that's going. They agreed to develop this town together, and none of them actually care. It was never actually an initiative. That's true. I guess that makes sense. It was something they did to sign a treaty. Yeah. (laughs) Make themselves feel good. Yeah. So Kirk and and everyone go to Nimbus 3. They use a clever ruse where Uhura (laughs) does a sexy dance (laughs) and lures over the men of the village. And they take them captive and take their clothes and... And, per- and proceed into the camp pretending to be part of this army. That fan dance that she does is is notorious. It's it was, spectacular. It's terrible. It's just spectacular. Oh. Uh, so they ride in. Um, they successfully go past the guards, make their way into the hostages, only to be realized that they have led themselves into a trap. And I thought it was strange. She, like, um, Federation uh, guards that come in with them with, like, shields and... They're shooting phasers and stuff like this. Is like a full frontal attack, and then he just brutally kills the Catwoman. It has no regard for her whatsoever. Huh? He throws her yeah, in the uh, water and just doesn't even look back. Ah, oh, she's dead. <laughs> Apparently, this is the incarnation in, uh, of one of Gene Roddenberry's ideas for uh, fleet marines. Mm. That this is like one of the only times it came to fruition, and supposedly that's who is with them when they go to this compound is the fleet marines. Yeah, they're very well equipped, like with shields, and you never see that before or after again. I don't think. Right, right. Strange fleet marines. They had that similar. They had that on the Makos in the Enterprise TV show, which were like military marines. But that was like the last of it. But anyway, yeah, I digress. Uh, So then at some point, I don't remember when in here, Klingon bird of prey out in space destroys one of our old satellites or something floating through space because they're bored because it's just bored and then catches whiff of the Enterprise and they they coast in cloaked to see what the Enterprise is doing because this young Klingon captain's looking for glory. He was pretty, he was pretty badass, actually. That was a good Klingon. And so yeah, that, that yeah. woman was, too. She was so freaking muscular. <laughs> oh, she was. And, and the trick later on in the movie was really good. Oh, where she's not, not what I expected at all. Well, just you. It was nice to see Klingons not just being brutal and like being smart for once. That's true, because they do have that capability. They just don't show it very often. Right. right. Um, but yeah, that's later on. Um, so they the the main guy. What's the main bad guy's name? Not the main bad guy, but the antagonist. Oh, Cybok. Sarek. Cybok. 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 Okay. So Cybok is able to use his mind powers to convince enough of the crew uh, to basically beam them aboard, and then they end up taking over the the uh, Enterprise. No, not beam them aboard. They get on the shuttle. There we go. Go back. They can't be beamed aboard. 
because they know the Klingon bird of prey is out there, and they have the Enterprise has to lower their shields. So then they well, and the uh, the transporter is not ready yet either. Oh, that's right. Scotty's working on it to get the power back. So they release the shields for like a second, and then uh, George Sulu Decay fl- flies it in. Flies in. <laughs> oh my! Manually and lands it and manages to not get them all killed. So now they're now they're aboard. Uh, Uhura and uh, Sulu get converted, basically. Yeah, forcefully converted. Then they help them get to the bridge, and then Chekhov, who is acting as camp- captain, is then forcibly converted. Oh, I do have to cite uh, one of my favorite lines so far when up to this point is when he, um, Spock has the opportunity to kill Cybok, and Kirk yells, kill him, and he doesn't, and he fi- that's how he finds out that it's actually his brother. But just, it's so weird hearing Kirk say, What you have done is betray every man on the ship. Worse, I've betrayed you. I do not expect you to forgive me. Forgive you? I'll knock you on your goddamn ass. If you think it would help. You want me to hold him, Jim? You stay out of this. I ought to knock you on your ass, Spock. And then, yeah. then Bones turns and says, you want me to hold him, Jim? <laughs> like, like actually, he could actually hold him. I thought that was really funny. So they and uh, Kirk, uh, McCoy, and Spock had been getting thrown in the brig while they re- well, Cybok replots the course to this barrier in space that no one's ever been able to breach before because he heard a message from God. And apparently uh, Bones, Spock, and Kirk are harder to brainwash because they're so connected to each other or something. Right. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Explain it away. <laughs> so, then, so then later on, they basically reveal, he reveals how he's gained all his followers is he makes everyone, he plays mind games with everyone, essentially. Release your pain, share it with me, and gain from it strength of sharing. Gain strength from it. Um, so... It, it basically shows his parlor trick. It almost kind of works on McCoy. Doesn't quite work on Spock. Kirk doesn't allow it to happen. In the end, they actually, none of them turn. They stick together. But then Cybok realizes that he really needs Kirk because he doesn't know how to captain a starship. <laughs> As it turns Whoops. out, religious leaders don't know how to captain starships. It turns out you actually need someone to captain it. So Kirk agrees because he doesn't want anyone to get, he doesn't want to get him and everyone killed because this guy doesn't know what he's doing. They somehow make their way through this barrier that's never been breachable before, and they find this planet at the center of it. Uh, and so uh, it's decided that Cybok, and then somehow it's just Kirk McCoy and uh, Spock. I've, why did Cybok not bring any of his own people? I don't know. He trusted them an, an awful lot. He really did. But what I didn't understand was that they see the planet as they're about to land, and somehow they're showing perfect video of this to the crew on the ship. <laughs> I don't know how, right. how that happens. But the the crew and everyone's so mesmerized by how beautiful this planet is, but it looks like a crappy desert with rocks. Like, yeah, it's just glowing blue. Why were they so mesmerized? I had no idea. Maybe that's just a lack of budget. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't find a better place. Uh, so they beam down, they go, they meet God, who is just a guy who kind of looks like Santa Claus. Hello! Brave Is this the voice of God? One voice, many faces. Uh, I'll take this, this more what you expected. Like, um, a giant floating head, and then he, he asked Cybok, like, did you bring that spaceship I asked you to bring? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I brought Cybok. it. Good. Put me on that spaceship so you can uh, spread my truth. Yes, <laughs> of yes. Course. That's it. Excuse so me. That's excuse the plan. Me. Well, what does God need with a starship? Excuse me. 
It will carry my power to every corner of creation. Excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I said, what does God need with a starship? And then he shoots Jim. <laughs> I just, that's a wonderful line from this movie. And what McCoy runs to Jim. And then Spock brings up the same question. And he shoots Spock. But the best part about that one is they, I don't know what happened. If they didn't, if they missed the shot, you see the eyes shoot and you see Spock respond, but there is no animation of it hitting him. You yeah. never actually see the beam hit Spock. It probably just didn't work out in the cut or something like that. We're right. It's heavily implied, but you don't actually see it. He just falls over. Suddenly. And then McCoy runs to Spock, who's now been shot. Um, meanwhile, this head has taken on the form of uh, what's his face? Cybok. Cybok. Cybok realizes that he is not the god. And this is not the promised land that was chosen. And the god thing says he's been imprisoned there for thousands Eons of years or something. Yeah. Um, and so Cybok says his like line of like, you have a lot of pain, share it with me and share and then jumps into this blue headed things vortex. <laughs> you make it sound so simple. <laughs> it's it really <laughs> is simply bad. Um and they like wrestle and fight and then Cybok's almost killed. Uh but the God thing is weakened because Kirk tells Chekhov to fire photon torpedoes on their current location and they conveniently dive out of the way at the last moment. Yeah, I'm pretty sure photon torpedoes aimed at a planet would like make massive craters and like they'd be yeah. desolated. Yeah. And then we get to see like Captain Kirk scale another mountain for some reason. <laughs> They're able to beam up only McCoy and Spock. And so Kirk's on foot, about to be destroyed by this giant head that is angry. When the Klingon bird of prey that was hunting them and now been brought over to their side by the Klingon com or like the. What the Klingon ambassador or whatever the hell core, yeah, uh, yelled at this young whip whippersnapper and got him in line, and so the Klingon bird of prey fires upon the head and destroys it. Well, I thought was weird. Also, was a strange out of character line from Spock when he's trying to convince the Klingon commander to talk to the young Klingon captain uh -huh. uh, to convince him not to k kill Kirk, and he's like, "I can't do that." He's like, "Damn you, sir! You will try." I'm like, why would Spock say, damn you, sir? But I thought later on, like, maybe his, his way of communicating logically with Klingons is to show a little bit of aggression. True. And really, he had no emotions about that. He's just like showing that false emotion to get that Klingon commander to actually do something. But but yeah, he's uh, the, they shoot the head. I don't know if they kill it, but it blows up the illusion. Right, right. The at least head. disrupts it enough. Yeah. Uh, that they're able to escape through the barrier. Well, and then get we back have the overdramatic reveal of. You should see who our new gunner is on our Klingon bird of prey. And this chair slowly oh, yeah. turns around. It's like Spock. <laughs> who cares? It's like, why is that such a big reveal? <laughs> That's their idea of a joke. They've got no they've got no idea what humor is. Well, the best part was he's about to hug Spock and he says, please, Captain. Not in front of the Klingons. <laughs> that made up for the cheesiness. I did love that line. Overall, this movie was a bit of a wreck. <laughs> you think so? It couldn't it couldn't quite decide what it wanted to be. And so it was nothing. I really felt – I think this is un, not properly uh, evaluated because I feel like it feels like an old classic TOS episode, just a little bit longer. It has the same feel of those episodes. But that doesn't mean it's a good movie, but I feel like this is a really good um, episode of television, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, this is just the, if this was taken and cut into a two-part hour-long show. Right. Yes, this that would this would work. This would be a good two-parter. Cuz it really I think I think because it's directed by Shatner, it just has so much of the feel of those old shows cuz he was there on, you know, every day of filming. So it just kind of throws back to that. But also because instead of like the first movie, they're all coming out of retirement to go on this mission, um, the motion picture. Yeah. And then two, three, and four are all connected. It's like a trilogy. And so it's always feel like we're playing um, in the middle of something, a media rests or whatever. But this feels like they're already on the bo- on, on board. They're already at their positions. They're ready to go. Kind of the ship. Right. Ready. But it just feels like More an episode. Less. Yeah. An episode starting as opposed to like some weird different kind of condition. So, that's why I don't know. I, just, I evaluate it that way in my head and don't think about it as a horrible movie, but it's like a fun hour and a half of television. Yeah. But it, it is okay. kind of messed up. You're right. There it could is have been of, worse. It's very cheesy. It's for one thing. Cheesy is the is the right word. <laughs> um, overall, I would say this is the weakest of all the Star Treks we've watched so far, and I'm including one in that. Yeah, that's fair. One was yeah. good in a lot of ways. We I think we evaluated. Yeah, yeah, it just was sort of overdone. Right. We could have used a half hour less of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and this one was, yeah, yeah it was okay. I guess. <laughs> Entertaining a little bit. Entertaining, but I don't, you know, if, if I had to choose to watch them in a row, this one would definitely be last every time. Gotcha. Well, until yeah. we see the next one, well, then we'll be sure. True. We'll never know. We've got a lot more to get through. I can't remember what the next one is like. <laughs> uh, it's the one where Kirk gets framed. And sent to a prison planet. Oh, the Klingon prison planet one. That's right. Yep. That's what's in store for us next time. (laughs) It's not bad. But uh, I like this one, how it ended, too, with them going back to camping and the Row Row Your Boat song. I thought that was Oh, yeah. And and then Spock, once again, showing that he's got a little bit more humanity in him than he thought. So, yeah, weakest one so far. I feel like that's probably accurate on my part, too. Um, Yeah. I I think three is kind of boring-ish. Yeah, but, but I think our, our assessment of that one was that it wasn't as bad as we kind of remembered it being. Right. But this one's yeah, it's a it's a yeah. it's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. It happened. But it's not it, a it's not a failure. No. It just it just isn't a success. So I do remember one of the pieces of trivia that uh people always talk about was that Kirk had all these grand designs, not Kirk, uh Shatner, of what he yeah. wanted to add into the film. Um, including these rock monsters that were going to be on the God planet after they pissed off the God and they'd be chasing them through like and t- back to their shuttlecraft, these giant rock monsters. They made designs for them and even like a p- preliminary costume, but they were just way too expensive. So they just never right. made the rest of them. <laughs> that would have been even more cheesy. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I read all over the place. Like they were going to do this and then there were budgetary restrictions and they were going to do this and then they cut the scenic budget and then like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of just cut off the heels, but apparently Gene Roddenberry wanted to do this story for a long time, um, ever since the first pic- motion picture, uh, yeah, yeah, meeting God or and what without mean and that kind of thing. So yeah. they finally did it, and this is what happened. Yeah, and what, well, what was it? What was the thing to live with it now? The head kept saying, "He was like you." I have no idea. It was very weird. <laughs> I just thought he was trying to be a spooky ghost. <laughs> oh, I'm God. <laughs> Fear my beard. Oh. Anyways. Well, uh, well, good discussion of Star Trek V. <laughs> yeah, Final Frontier. Not much else to say. The 
just going to sit there and block that thing, or are you going to play something? Down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, 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 gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Merrily, merrily, gently down the stream. So, for our second segment here. I'm going to go ahead and bring back a hypothetical hubbub in the form of would you rather? And I've got some doozies for Jarman. This oh, week. dear Lord. Some real doozies. All right. Would you rather get hit in the shin with a baseball bat? No lasting damage. Huh. Or wear a handkerchief around your neck that's been soaked in honey for 24 hours. Weird. I'll take the handkerchief soaked in honey because it doesn't say okay. it doesn't say I'm in a forest or something where I'm in danger, right? That's right. You're no, you're not wrong. I think I'd take the the shit with the bat if I knew that it was no lasting damage. Then why? Why? Because the honey doesn't do anything. But the, that would chafe. It would get so sticky and dry. It <laughs> would be twenty four so hours. Bad. It's fine. It'd be so bad. You'd have such a bad rash. Honey is so acidic. It's <laughs> so weird. Um. All right. Would you rather? Be able to only travel forward in time or only travel backward in time. Mm. And like choose the destination. Yeah, you can. You know exactly when you're going, but you can either only go back or you can only go forward. I guess only go back because I could do it infinitely. To at least to the beginning of time. Yeah, well, I could I could go back and then live up to where I was before and then go back again. Whereas if I go I guess, forward, but I you're not ever... immortal in this scenario, oh, though. Oh, well. <laughs> you're, not, yeah, you're not Highlander here. You're just <laughs> you. the only one. <laughs> and you can either go. I thought the same thing. I, I'm going to go with back as well, but it's mostly for the uh, Louis C.K. reason, which is that you can pick most points in history where being a white guy is pretty much okay. <laughs> That's unfortunately like true. Most points in history, you can go back and be pretty much fine. Uh, so, therefore, I would say back simply for that reason. That's why all these modern day t- time travel shows, which are finally being more politically correct, have, you know, you know, representation from different races and stuff. But I've I watched more than one show recently where they've gone back in time with one of their cast members. Like, I can't go back to this time. And they're like, why? Like, uh, I'm black. <laughs> like, that's a, yeah. it's, it's a problem. <laughs> but anyways, right. would, would you rather have a magic wallet that always has one hundred and fifty bucks in it when you open it? Or two hours of Superman level strength whenever you eat cow tongue. Superman level strength? Superman level strength. Super strength. Hmm. Cow tongue. For two hours when you eat cow tongue. Every time I open the wallet? Every time. So you, <laughs> let's say you have to put it in your pocket and take it out and open it in order for there to be 150 bucks in there. I'd take that for sure. Okay. That's fair. Because cow tongue is gross, and I, I wouldn't know exactly what to do with my super strength. That's true. What about you? Or versus, I, I'd say I'd go magic wallet. Yeah, exactly. Because I could probably pull that out of my pocket and take 150 bucks out of it you know, a couple hundred times a day. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> perfect. Make a nice little business out of it. Now I want that. And some whiskey. All right. So here's the final <laughs> one. And the toughest one. Mm. 
Would you always feel just a little hungry or just a little over full? Mm. I think a little hungry because it would make me drive me forward. Whereas a little full I, just is uncomfortable. Right, right. I said the same thing. A little hungry, at least I can deal with that. But like a little over full, you just, even when you adjust, you can feel it all move. And, oh, man, uh, button my pants. <laughs> and you know the toilet's going to pay for it later. <laughs> uh. Jesus. How do we have women in our lives? <laughs> uh, I drug her nightly. Oh, good. Well, that was a good time. So yeah, yeah. And that moves us into some trailer reviews. Here to play on Nerds, we have developed an interesting rating system to bring to you our ideas on the trailers we're about to review. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. Kill it with fire. <laughs> and our next step is Drunk Watch, which means that, yeah, I'd watch this movie. It'd be entertaining if I was under the influence of some kind of substance of some kind. But if I was sober, probably not going to check this thing out. No, nope, not going to see it. Next, we've got We'll See, which is maybe we just don't know enough about this movie to tell what the hell it's going to be. Could be good. Could be bad. Not sure. Eh. And our next category would be Get the Couch Ready, which means I'm definitely going to check this movie out at home. Wouldn't necessarily pay the big bucks of seeing it in theaters, but I'm definitely going to watch it at home. So get that couch ready. After that, we have Take a Look, where we are recommending for you, our viewers and listeners, to check out this movie and check out the trailer and tell us what you think about it. We, we wanted to see what you guys think. It looks pretty good, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Let us know. And for our final and best category, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut up and take my money. This looks so awesome. We're going to see it. That's where we cannot wait to give Hollywood bigwigs... All of the money that we have earned at work to go see a film for $47. We're so excited. We just have to go see it. We, have, we don't have a choice. And that is our A Play on Nerds official copyrighted trademark system for rating our movie trailers. <laughs> well, the first one I picked out was called Mother. Uh, exclamation point. Is it exclamation point? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you said mother. That's the name of a Korean film. And so that's the reason I thought. But then it's mother with an exclamation point, which is different. <laughs> so the description of the movie is very vague. It's just like a wife is very confused when her husband brings in a strange couple to their home. Like, OK. And then you watch the trailer. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It's like weird mind. Fuck. Javier Bardem has a young wife who comes in and, and fixes up his house and makes Jennifer him feel Lawrence. young again. Jennifer Lawrence. And then uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and who's the other one? Ed Harris, Ed Harris come to visit and stay and everything changes and gets weird. And there might be zombies or something and maybe a hell gate. There's a lot of blood, something and blood and caves. And I don't understand. We spend all our time here. I want to make a paradise. She redid all of it. Every last detail. And she breathed life back into every room. Are you happy? I love you. Please, come in. Hello. Hello. He's a stranger. We're just gonna let him sleep in our house. Hello. Hello. Did you know he had a wife? He has pictures of you in his luggage. What were you doing in their luggage? What do they want? God help you. They've come 
here to see me. Come quick! You're insane! You're insane! All I'm trying to do is bring life into this house. Open the door to new people, new ideas. I'm so sorry. It reminds me of like a David Lynch film or something. Yeah. Uh, I'll give this one a take a look, I guess. Yeah. I can always do the review. So we're we're reworking the rating systems, people. We'll get there in a week or so. We will. But uh, right now we'll give I'll give this a we'll see because I've I it looks good it has a lot of good actors looks like it's stylistically cool I just have no idea what it's about and that's the same thing like Requiem for a Dream and uh, Black Swan or the other movies this director did um, Aronofsky I think yeah Darren uh, Aronofsky but uh, I Requiem for a Dream I couldn't get into because it was just too gross and gritty and depressing uh, but yeah. Black Swan was fascinating and beautiful and interesting. Yeah, so, it really was deep. Yeah, so I, I I give it a chance, but yeah, I'll see what the reviews are like first. I think. Okay, uh, and uh, the uh, one that I chose was goddamn. Why didn't write it down? Wonderstruck. Wonderstruck, which, as I think I described to Jarman, looks like Cloud Atlas with style. I never saw Cloud Atlas. Was that good? No, I, it was, <laughs> I mean, no. It, it's okay. It's just longer than it should be. And confusing. I'm sure if I've read the book, I'd get more out of it, but it was right. something. It looked, it looked interesting, at least. So this it looks like some sort of, not necessarily time travel, but interwoven time period films. Something about struggling with deafness and a boy dealing with the death of his mother. And somehow it's all linked together. Yeah. And like there's... they. It portrays two different time periods, I think like maybe the 1910s or something, uh, which is almost black and white, like really muted colors. And then yeah. it goes really colorful into the 60s, I think. Um, yeah, with, 60s or early 70s, right. yeah. And the little girl is in the 1910s, and then the uh, the boy is around the same age. He's in the 1960s, and they're telling this story seamlessly over these two time periods, but we have no idea what the story is. And Julianne Moore is in it. You see her for a moment. Yeah, very briefly. And surprisingly enough, I until I didn't catch this till the second time I watched it. This is an Amazon production. Oh, wow! So I will be watching it on Amazon Instant Prime, whatever the hell. Are they releasing it in theaters and that at the same time? That I don't know. Huh. Um, but I'm going to give this one a get the couch ready because I'll check it out. It looks interesting enough that I could check it out, and I've got access to it. So why not? I, I will a, have access to it, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. I put a we'll see because I'm like, what the hell is this about? <laughs> yeah, no- true. You know, you learn nothing from the trailer <laughs> except for a few basic ideas. I mean, maybe that's the point. I don't know, but that's why I put we'll see. Yeah, two okay and kind of confusing films this week. But because we covered about a billion trailers in our last episode. so That's true. It did leave us a little bit dry. <laughs> a little high and dry here. Maybe next episode we'll have some more to look at. A little more exciting, perhaps. I was going to move us on to Radical Recommends. If you Radical have Recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. Radical Recommends. What What do you have to recommend for us this time around? Uh, a new game that is in early access that I was I purchased, which I don't do this, just so you're aware. <laughs> I do not purchase early access games because it doesn't. they get my money and it doesn't encourage them to actually finish it. 
Uh, but this one looked right up my alley and looked like a really cool concept. It's a mix between a tower defense, base building, third-person shooter where you have a base that you are building and then you build fortifications in between zombie waves. This is all in third-person view, so over the shoulder. Hmm. Uh, and then you yourself have a gun and you are fighting as zombies make their way through whatever sort of maze or defenses that you build. Nice. What's it called? Uh, Fortnite. F-O-R-T-N-I-T-E. Fortnite. Sounds like a lot of fun. It's available for Mac, PC, and I think at least one of the consoles. Uh, the cheapest version is 40 bucks for Ooh. like the standard edition. They've got really high-end ones that... No, no thank you. Um, and mind you, it is early access. There's some UI elements that just need some reworking and some of the menus and uh, that just need you. You can tell it's not finished. It's just not. And they use early access to, to like help fund finishing the game, basically. Yeah. And then also, you know, think about it, it's it's a paid beta. Right. You know, you get all these people to test and do stuff, give you their money early with the promise that once the game does come out, they get a copy, an actual copy. Right. Well, the premise sounds great. I love tower defense oh, yeah. and then to have a tower defense and third person. Uh, but, you know, there's different heroes that you can play with different special abilities, um, guns that you earn, you things you can craft, different traps you can learn to make, layouts, all sorts of stuff. It's sort of a it's a very open engine from what I can from the little bit I've been able to play so far, but I've enjoyed. And I've been playing a little bit of Heroes of the Storm for you. Yes, you have been. <laughs> You did I, pretty well in the few rounds we we played. Yeah, I think it's it. It was so similar to League of Legends, which I played a lot of um, yeah, yeah. back in the day. So it feels very natural, but it's just actually easier in League of Legends, which is nice because it was too complicated. Yeah, but yeah. So I have tower defense games are fun. It's kind of like where that started. Oh yeah, absolutely tower defense. Well, I remember Warcraft three, and it was like Kai's tower defense. Yeah, no one knew who and Kai that was. was. A killer mod. <laughs> it was a spectacular mod. But I remember it even way back then. Played all the time. All the time. I mean, we would just play that map. Yeah, over and over again. Save the, the, the elven tree, basically, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So my radical recommend is kind of lame because everyone knows this is awesome. And I, it, me saying this adds nothing to the echo chamber. Doesn't value. make it more awesome. <laughs> no, yeah. it's like, but everyone says it's good. And it was, which was American Gods. Uh, I watched the first season. I have not read the book, so I don't know. Okay. Is it a graphic novel or just a straight up I read novel? the book. The book is great. Okay. And it's like standalone kind of one and done. Yep, standalone. He is writing a sequel. Supposedly over this summer, he was writing a sequel. Because he wants more show to go around. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I started watching the show. I haven't had time to dedicate to it because Anna's not really into it. So I have to find time to watch it alone. And that's just sort of rare. It's funny because my girlfriend didn't get into it either. She watched the first couple episodes like, nah. Yeah. But I really like it. I liked it a lot. Uh, have you been able to watch any of the Defenders yet? I am on episode four of the Defenders. I think I'm on episode five or maybe six. It, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm liking it and, so and far. And here's the thing: I didn't get to finish Daredevil, and I didn't get to finish Jessica Jones, but I'm still enjoying it. Oh, okay. Jessica Jones is great. That's my favorite. You should finish that one for sure. That's what everyone says. Well, a lot of people say they don't like Jessica Jones because it was too cerebral and not enough action. And but no, they need to get over it. That's right, David Tennant, man, he's awesome. That's right, David Tennant. <laughs> but yeah, American Gods. If you haven't seen it already, folks. Give it a shot. It's very bloody, uh, but funny and just and there's some and just so you know, there are some of the most graphic sex scenes I've seen in television. Yeah, and a graphic just gay be sex aware. scene too. Graphic gay sex scene, 
scene where a man is sucked into a woman's vagina and eaten. It's it's pretty hilarious. And like, like it's, disturbing. it's graphic and hilarious and disturbing. So just brace yourself for that, at least. Yeah, the, we, I do recommend it. The gay scene is with a man having sex with a genie. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, true. That is that is accurate. <laughs> Uh, so we have our thanks section. It's not really a thank you, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Sean Vanderloo, who is just starting his the Soul Forge podcast. He's a friend of the show. He's on. The, he also does the Rusted Robot podcast, uh-huh. and they're a lot of fun. So his Soul Forge podcast is not necessarily about nerdy things, but it's about life and um, just dating and sex life and uh, just you know, becoming a better person, uh, exploring your past and your history. So it's, it's a nice little fun. I've listened to all the episodes so far. They're usually short and sweet, like maybe half an hour each. Uh, so you can get through it. He's having guests on there soon. So just, I'm giving a shout out to him, our podcasting friend and check it out. Yeah. Good luck with your new venture shot. And I did the intro to it. So that's, there's that too. (laughs) Very nice. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again for all the nerdy shenanigans that we bring to you. We will keep being your nerdy co-hosts. If you keep being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay dirty, my friends. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aplayonnerds. Or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at aplayonnerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash aplayonnerds. Fun videos and stuff to check out, youtube.com slash playonnerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts and that way we know if we stink exactly let us know if you hate us or you love us that's always great check us out at our website www.playonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at a and then check us out on i guess snapchat maybe <laughs> for dick sticks or, or tumblr <laughs> tumblrs Periscopes. Uh, you could also throw a rock at us with a message on it. Carrier pigeons. We accept cassette tapes. <laughs> I love cassette tapes. We just want to hear from you. Yes, please send us anything you like at any social media outlets. However you do it, check us out. And how. How.